What is going on, Cheat Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got K-Love, you got Stevie P. We're coming at you with another two-a-day podcast. What's going on, Steve? What's happening, kid? What's happening, everybody? All right, so did you happen to watch the McGregor fight the other day, Steve? Yeah, hell yeah, I did. I, I actually watched, I think I, didn't, I think I saw every single fight. I think I started watching as soon as the undercard started at, at uh, 6.30. Oh, really? Yeah, we watched all day. I was drinking and watching all day. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I didn't know. Uh, by the time I got off work and got home, got myself showered and got together, I probably, I didn't really see it until, uh, uh, I think, the Michelle Pareda fight. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that dude, that dude's fun to watch. Yeah, you know what I mean? Is. Like, he's flipping on, he's, he's freaking back flipping on top of guys and stuff. Yeah. He's fun to watch. Did but you, uh, Did you see, oh my God. What is the white guy's name? Something B. He was like doing weird shit, bro. Like it was the craziest thing. He's like, he's like getting down on the ground, trying to like do this weird ass flip and tried to grab my man's leg to take him down. He, he did it like six times. He just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then got caught with like, <laughs> he basically got caught trying to flip and my man just ground and pounded the shit out of him, knocked him out. I'm trying to think what the hell. I didn't see that one. Oh man, that was hilarious. I was like, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like my man is like doing oh, like capoeira, you know, like the, the, the mm-hmm. fighting dancing style. It kind of looked like that, but it was like the really low budget version of it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like doing these weird ass flips, trying to grab him in a, uh, I guess he was just trying to take him down and put him in some kind of submission, but he did it like mm-hmm. six times and finally got caught and just dude pounded his ass. I was like, oh my goodness, it was rough. Yeah, and you get Sean O'Malley and he goes up against like the the, the dude that has like, no chance, Bro. but he's just like taking shots to the face. That mo- like, that motherfucker took a ass whooping, son. That ass whooping was serious. He just completely got his ass whooped for for straight. Three rounds, and, and I, you know, they stopped the fight. I thought they should have let him go. There was only like thirty-seven seconds left in the fight. I thought they should have just let him finish it out. But I get why they stopped it. My man hit him like I think they said the numbers were almost two hundred and fifty like landed punches, and like two hundred of them were face shots. So like that dude got his ass whooped. That was that was like a brain damage ass whipping. Yeah, uh, I thought they stopped it early for some stupid reason. Like he shouldn't have stopped it. You know no, what I mean? Like he, he, it was twenty eight seconds left. Yeah, yeah, twenty eight seconds left. He could have taken another fifty shots to the face, and he would have been fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> At that point, you take you that many. McGregor, who, yeah, then you get McGregor just snip back. See, he said he, you know, it kind of happened on like a, a, like a, you know, one of the leg kicks. He kind of felt like a little fracture. Like, you know, at least that was what Poirier was saying. Like. He thought he yeah. fractured it on a, on a kick or, or, you know, one of the leg kicks and stuff. And then yeah. you could just see, like, that thing just went. Yeah. And it was he's funny. still talking shit. Right before that, <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but right before that, the right before the snap, like, when they got back up to their feet and they were facing each other, getting ready, you know, to go back at it, mm-hmm. Connor got up and hit him with a leg kick, right? Like a, like a chest high kick. And his hit right where his ankle broke hit his elbow, hit Poirier's elbow. And it, mm. lo- it looked funny. Like, it looked like his leg did something. But he still continued to, like, you know, he put his leg down and looked like he was about to throw that punch. And as soon as he threw that punch, that's when his leg broke. So I'm wondering if maybe he broke it 
on my man's elbow. Like, I, you got to watch the fight over again and slow-mo it. Like, as they get back up and Poirier does the whole, like, get up, you know what I mean? I'm going to beat your ass, bitch. Mm-hmm. He, he does that, and and Connor swing, you know, hits him with a left leg kick. And if you watch, it hits him right in the elbow. And when he hits him right in the elbow, then you see – you see kind of the leg look a little bit funny. You're like, ooh, that didn't look right. And then when he puts his foot down, starts, you know, throws that that one jab and then steps on it wrong, it just snaps. So I'm wondering if maybe he broke it on on the dude on El- Poirier's elbow. He could have broke it on the leg kick earlier, and maybe that elbow shot just is kind of what did it in. Because really it didn't look like he put all that much pressure on it when it snapped. He kind of just like was moving backwards and the damn thing just snapped on him. Yeah, and then he, you know, he's still talking trash afterwards. And to me, like, I thought he was kind of getting his ass whooped the whole fight. Yeah. So I don't think he was going to win. <laughs> but, hey, you know, there's a lot of Connor fans. He's like the biggest draw in the UFC. So you can't knock Connor for, for being himself. It's what it's what brings in, you know, the revenue and the fans to UFC, him being that way. But he's kind of past the point where he's like, if you really like UFC, you probably don't like Conor McGregor. Yeah. Because he's not really good anymore. No. But he, everybody's just w- watches him. So you're like, man, I'm tired of seeing this dude on the main events. I like seeing like, give me some real fighters, man. Exactly. Put you know. So, you know, I I've watched a lot more UFC. Like I watch every pay per view, regardless of who's on it. So, yeah. I like the you know I like the fights at the you know. You know the main cards, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Connor fights for me aren't really entertaining because the last, the last four Connor fights have just you know, he's either he's lost to lost to Poirier, he he beat Cowboy Cerrone, but Cowboy Cerrone it was way done anyway. He's yeah. another one. It was like way done, and then yeah. the one before that he just got annihilated by Khabib. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he's kind of done at this point. So, yeah, he's. I mean, like that's the thing. He's a one-dimensional fighter, though. Like he, Connor yeah. is just a one-dimensional guy. So Connor gets his ass whooped by anybody that can ground and pound. As soon as they get yep. on the ground, and and they, are, if you if you get a guy who's a grappler and can get you on the ground and really fuck you up, that's kind of that's kind of his kryptonite. He just and, and that's the thing. He's been in the sport so long. You think he would develop some kind of a ground game and just never has. He just you know and now people know like hey if i take this dude to the to the deep end of the of the ground and pound and submissions he's just never going to make it out i'm just going to beat him i mean that's what guys are doing to him yep so all right guys we are going to transition into our two a day uh baltimore versus since uh, baltimore and cincinnati uh almost i'm ready for some games i was in baltimore <laughs> versus cincinnati yeah right uh so it's baltimore and cincinnati today we're going to start with the ravens um so obviously their quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Uh, Five oh three is his ADP. He is the fifth quarterback, fifty fourth player off the board. Um, I think at this point we kind of know what we're getting from Lamar. You know he's going to rush somewhere between eight hundred and eleven hundred yards. Um, I understand that's kind of a wide range. It's about a thirty point range, but that's probably where he's going to be. Um, you know his passing is not going to be a traditional passer, but he does have a couple extra weapons this year. So what do you think about Lamar Jackson coming in? Where do you compare him among like the top tier of quarterbacks? Because it's a good six or seven of, of the top quarterbacks now being drafted. And Lamar is in that tier. 
Yeah, if I'm being honest, like, to me, of the top five guys, there's really only there's of the top five guys, there's really only three guys that I think could end up being the number one, right? I think it could be Patrick Mahomes. I think it. I mean, I don't see Josh Allen repeating as the number one. You know what I mean? So, I think it's either going to be you know Kyler Murray going up there or Lamar, you know, taking back the number one spot because. It, it, to me, it's the rushing totals from Lamar. I mean, like, I don't think they want Lamar to be a thousand-yard rusher again, right? They want they want him to develop a little bit more as a passer because you know teams are winning, beating them in the playoffs because they know if I take away Lamar's running, we're gonna mm-hmm. win. You know what I mean? We're gonna win. So I think this year they're gonna try to develop him a little bit more as a passer. So it wouldn't surprise me if if Lamar hit you know thirty five hundred yards. If you look at his numbers from last year. Right. And basically his numbers, you know, have gotten worse since he had his MVP season. Right. His rookie season, he was terrible, terrible as a passer, horrible. And then last, you know, last year, the the year before his MVP season, he ends up having, what was it, 30, like just about 3000 yards passing. Last year, he's got twenty seven hundred and seventeen touchdowns or twenty seven touchdowns. I think he can get into that 3,500-yard range with the weapons that they gave him, with Bateman and with Watkins and, you know, with Hollywood developing a little bit further. Because if you saw the last, you know, six games of the season, Hollywood really did start, you know, he started playing a lot better. He started getting a lot more targets, looking a lot better. So I could see Lamar get into the 3,500-yard range, uh, around the 30-touchdown range, and his rushing going down just a little bit, which I think hurts him. So... If he can, you know, get into that 800 yard, 35, you know, 800 yards rushing, 3,500 yards passing, you know, and stay around that 35 touchdown range, I think he has a chance of being, you know, the number one guy. So, you know, for me, he's probably going to be my third quarterback taken off the board, not the fifth, uh, mm. just because I think he has that upside of number one. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel about Lamar. So when you say third, I'm guessing you're going Mahomes and Kyler. Yeah, if I was going first, I mean, I'm honest, you know, you know me, Kev. I'm not going to take a quarterback. I'm probably not going to get one of those top five guys. But if I had to take my pick of those guys, my rankings, I would have Josh Allen at two just because of how he finished. But if I was going for just the upside of how I feel like, okay, if I'm taking one of these quarterbacks. I want the guy who's going to possibly be number one. It would definitely be those three. It would be Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar, and then, you know, Dak and, you know, Allen, then Dak. Yeah, I think for me, Lamar is probably fifth in my rankings um, because I will have Dak ahead of him. Uh, Just based off what Dak did last year to start the season, you know what I mean? Like when – he was the number one quarterback while, you know, with, with, you know, those three weapons out there and, and basically no defense. So he's going to have to throw the ball. And I don't think much is going to change. Like I know they spent a lot of draft capital on D, but I don't see the Cowboys defense with all, with just a whole bunch of rookies getting much better, you know? Um, So I do think he's going to have to throw the ball a ton. I do think they're going to use Zeke a little bit more than what they were, but I do still think that Dak is going to throw a ton, so I wouldn't rank him number one, but I'll say he's going to be in the top three or four. So I'd probably have Lamar right outside of there. Um, 
in my rankings. Uh, and it, like same thing, like I probably won't wind up with Lamar Jackson because if I'm drafting a quarterback there, I'd probably draft Dak ahead of him. Um, Kyler and him are usually right around the same range. Um, you know, Allen goes a little, I think, around earlier. So uh, I would probably take all those guys ahead of Lamar. Um, I do know what you're saying, though. Lamar definitely has the ability to be the number one quarterback. He showed it two years ago. Um, and I think the only thing that's stopping him from doing that is – the, is like a lack of weapons. So it's, you know, adding Bateman, adding Watkins to the, you know, to the receiving core. Uh, hopefully Hollywood get, develops a little bit more of a route tree in his third year. Uh, so for me, you know, I, I do think Lamar could definitely be the number one quarterback, but, you know, he's going to have to um, improve that passing because teams have, I don't want to say they figured out his rushing, but they're not going to let Baltimore beat beat them with him running the football. So, you know, he's going to have to throw a little bit more. Yeah, the only the only thing I would say, uh, and it's not about Lamar because you know I, mean, I basically tell, but I, so I did a little bit of research about Dak right and his numbers mm-hmm. last year, and because I was wondering like for drive by drive. You know what I mean? He scored a lot of fantasy points. We all know that. We know he scored like a shit ton of fantasy points in the five games that he was there. But mm-hmm. really, if you look at his numbers, like just for an example, week two against the Falcons, we all remember that game. A lot of his stuff was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a lot of his shit was in the fourth quarter. Like he had in that game, right? He had one scoring drive, one touchdown scoring drive in the first half, right? He had a 75-yard, mm-hmm. 11-play drive. That ended in a passing touchdown, uh, touchdown to CD Lamb, right? Mm-hmm. But then you look at the rest of the numbers in the second quarter. They didn't score but anything but a field goal. They put an eleven tra- play drive, only sixty yards in a field goal on that. Then in the third quarter, to the first drive of the third quarter, they had a seven, seven uh, play drive for seventy four yards and a touchdown. Then in the third quarter again, an eight play drive for eighty three yards and a touchdown. Then in the fourth quarter, they they had a turnover on downs and then the last three drives of the game basically at 757 mark they scored a 75 yard 10 play you know touchdown um at the 257 mark they had a nine minute drive that went 76 yards and a touchdown and if you remember you know they got the ball back with a minute 46 i mean a minute 49 and then they kicked the field goal at the end so like basically when they're losing he's going to throw a shit ton and i agree with mm-hmm. you that the defense is not going to be great but i do think it, you know Micah parsons we me and you talked about him in the in the offseason how good that dude really is uh i don't think he is the end all be all going to change the defense but just having a playmaker of his caliber on the field i think makes any defense better i mean when you have like a really good middle linebacker that can get sideline to sideline basically all the time. I think that's going to change the way the Cowboys defense just is. So, you know, I do think they're going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to be a good defense, but I do think they will be better. So I don't know how much they're going to have to throw in the fourth quarter, you know, when it comes to Dak. And that's why I have Dak at five. All right. So we're going to move on to the running back spot for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So we'll start with Dobbins. He's the first pick of the third round, 26th overall, 16th running back taken. I know you were a little hesitant on uh, Dobbins in the beginning. Has mm-hmm. that changed at all? Or is it still kind of, you know, 
it was basically in relation to this being kind of more of a 50-50 split than I think a lot of owners think. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know – so with this team in particular, there's not going to be much of a passing work with the running backs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Lamar, usually with the, we've seen with running quarterbacks – they just take off. They don't. They don't dump down the running backs. They take off, and you know there's not going to be a lot of check down the running backs in, with this offense. So I'm sure Dobbins will get whatever passing work there is, but there's not really going to be a lot to spread around. So you're basically just you know talking about the run, the rushing work, and if you're talking about like a 55-45 split, which it basically was at the end of last year. I don't know if Dobbins gets the touches to finish as the number 16 running back. Yeah. So the more I look at it, the more I think I like this team. And it was because of kind of what I said earlier. I do think they're going to get the ball out of Lamar's hands, rushing the ball so much. So if you look at the numbers from last season, right, um, just purely the, you know, total offense, right? We look at the total offense. They ran the ball a league high 555 times, right? That's a lot. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of running. Um, And if you look at Lamar's numbers rushing the ball, he ran 159 times. He was actually the highest touched player on the team. I think if that number gets closer to the 100 mark of attempts, because like I said, I do think they're going to try to take some numbers away from him. Let's say they do 30 and he gets to a 120, right? I think it could be a situation where those touches go more to JK than they go to Edwards because Edwards still had 144 and I think he's probably going to stay around there. So if JK gets up to that 160, 170 touch mark and they stay around 550 rush attempts, um, I do think he could be pretty good. I, I mean, like if you just look at his numbers, right? He ran for, you know, six yards of carry last year. He had, you know, he had nine touchdowns, which it was surprising yeah. when I looked at it because he had more touchdowns than Gus. He he broke off a lot of big ones. Yeah, you know did. what I mean. I think he had two back to back games where he he had like a at least a forty yard rushing touchdown. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I remember he had a long one at one point. Oh, uh, he had a couple of long ones. I'm looking here. Yeah. His his long in the season was a seventy two yard touchdown. Uh, and then he had another sixty four yards. It looks like here. So two of his touchdowns were over sixty yards which is mm-hmm. awesome. But yep. to me, that just shows his big play potential. And when you look at Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards had a 36-yard-long yard, you know, yard long run of the season. So the, yeah. the dynamic playmaking is going to be J.K. So, like I said, I, I think if he gets – I think he'll have more touches than, than Gus this year. Uh, and with that said, I think in this offense, the way that you know they block and, and this team runs – I think J.K. could actually be in that right around that range, 16 to 18. Because, like you said, we did the mock draft the other day. We saw he went right before um, – who did he go right before? I want to say he went right before Gibson. Was it Gibson that he went right before? Uh, he did go early. I think he went in the second round. Yeah, he went in the second round. I want to say he went right before Gibson. Uh, I'll have to look at it again, but I'm pretty sure right before Gibson. And that's kind of where I have him. I kind of have him Gibson – Right around that same range, you know, 15 to 18. So, you know, I think J.K., you know, could actually have a better season than some people are predicting. 
So last year, you had Dobbins had 134, Edwards had had 144, mm-hmm. then Mark Ingram had another 72 attempts. Yeah. So. And most of that was in the beginning of the season because by yeah. week 10, he didn't even touch the field really. At he all. wasn't on the field. So if you're splitting those 72 attempts up and giving, let's say you give 20 to Edwards and 22 to Edwards, 50 to Dobbins. Dobbins winds up in the 180, 180 carry range. Yeah, I don't think it gets that high. I do think they're going to use Justice, you know, Justice Hill a little bit. So I think Justin Hill could get somewhere around 40 touches this year, you know, 50 touches this year. And then I think they'll probably split, you know, I think they'll split half of that work between those two guys. And then the other, you know, half will go to Justice Hill. You know what I mean? Because I do think they're going to have multiple back system. And God forbid, you know, Gus Edwards gets hurt or J.K. Gobbin gets hurt. That could be, you know, a, a totally different number. But just looking at it the way I'm looking at it, I think Justice Hill is a little bit more involved than he has ever been. Uh, with Mark Ingram gone, and then I think those guys split, let's say sixty percent of that work. So, let's add twenty to Gus and add you know twenty five to Dobbins, and I think that's kind so of basically been around. The, they'll basically be around the same thing. Yeah, I think they're basically um, the same amount of touches. On if not, Dobbins touches the ball just a little bit more. And here's my thing, like so. Here, here's the big thing for me when it comes to this because if they're going to touch the ball more. They're going to touch the ball rushing-wise, basically the same. Last year, there was a total of 60 targets that went to running backs for this team. So there really is no, there really is no passing work for these running backs. It's like even if you gave Dobbins all 60 attempts, you know what I mean? He still mm-hmm. pulls in 40 balls, which you know by chance would probably put him way above Gus Edwards, mm-hmm. but. Gus, I don't think I don't think Dobbins scores nine touchdowns again. I, I would I would venture to say that Gus Edwards is going to probably score more touchdowns if I had to put my money on, just based off the fact that he's going to be their goal line back. Probably I doubt I doubt Gus is just a bigger guy. Yeah, playing it like he's he's a he's a train. So you know I think, that I think would they be probably, more. I think they probably split it because if you remember last year. Yeah, um, they did split Gus, a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, Dobbins was on the was on the work. So yeah, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, looking at it, you know, I'm not as high on Dobbins in that area because of the split. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that also makes Gus Edwards for me a great value because oh, yeah, he's being he's drafted definitely. in the in the ninth round with pick five. He's yeah. the 105th player and 43rd running back. 43rd running back. I think Gus Edwards can finish top 30. Easily. Yeah. Oh, easily. So, well, that's the thing I, because I people. Gus Edwards, somebody I'm trying to get on my team in every every league. See, but that's the thing See, when it, when it comes to fantasy football, and this is what I, and I've how many times have I said this, Kev? People make fantasy football more difficult than it needs to be. You know what I mean? Like yep. people, people want the fucking home run hitting, greatest the the boom guy who's just comes out of left field and and has a humongous season and they win their league and that's what people want right but the mm-hmm. the meat and potatoes of fantasy football is the Gus Edwards the guys that guess what on a bye week you're looking for a guy you know you got four guys on bye you need that guy who's going to get you 
10, 15 fantasy points, and if he scores a touchdown, he possibly gets you 20. You know, and that's Gus Edwards. And, and people yep. are not looking at him like that. People don't look at him that way. They look at him like, oh, he's the number two on the Ravens. And and Lamar Jackson gets the most carries, and J.K. Dobbins the number one. So, you know, people poo-poo the, the solid running back that is the, you know, the third guy on the team. But, you know, they fail to realize that's the guy who wins you your league. Yep. All right, so now we're going to move on to the – Wide receiver position for Baltimore. So Hollywood Brown is the fifth pick in the 10th round, 116th overall and 44th wide receiver. I don't know how to view Hollywood at this point. I think that's actually not a bad spot for him to be drafted. But at the same time, I just feel like I don't want him Mm -hmm. on my team. You know, so so it's very confusing because like in that area, like, I know for me, like in that area, I'd much rather have Antonio Brown. I'd much rather have, um, you know, LaVisca Chenault, who's going around later. I'd rather take a shot on Jerry Judy, um, you know, coming in in the second year and, and, you know, teaming up with Sutton and not having that number one coverage. Mm -hmm. I just think there's other players in that area I like a little bit more than where Hollywood's going. So. That's probably why, you know, he's not going to wind up on any one of my teams. Yeah. um, I just feel like Rashad Bateman is, and me and you both said it, Kev, we love Rashad Bateman. The dude is, you know, I think we both compared him to, who was it that we compared him to? Uh, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. I say Yeah, Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, he's just a really good route runner. Probably the best runner out runner in the the whole draft, other than Devonta Smith. I think they're really close together with their yeah. route running. Um, and he's just a big body dude, like six foot two, you know, two ten. He looks like the yeah, prototypical. He's slender. Yeah. Yeah, he's a slender guy with a quick with a quick twitch, and he's very very elusive at the line of scrimmage. Like to me, at the line of scrimmage, like he has the best get off of any receiver in the draft. Yeah, and a lot of people were poo-pooing him about his 190 pound weigh-in um at his pro day but i think a lot of people didn't realize he did contract covid last year he said that it did affect his weight he did lose some weight on it because you know he, he wasn't eating and you know, lost his taste and smell and you know a lot of people said the same thing you know you're just not really hungry when you can't taste your food so you know i i don't think that's a whole big thing and i was just reading something the other day they're saying that he's up to like 206 already so he's back to almost his playing weight from last year. And if he's going to play at 210, that's that's prototypical size wide receiver. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a big body guy that Lamar Jackson has really not had, you know, since he's been the quarterback for this team. And I think of all the guys that it's going to affect, I think it's going to affect Marquise Brown because, you know, Lamar is not the kind of guy that is going to go through his progressions and look through to throw to the third guy on the, on the, you know, on the progression, he's going to throw you to the first or second guy. And that might not be Marquise Brown. That might be Bateman. And then that might be uh, Mark Andrews. So, or that might be vice versa, Mark Andrews, Bateman, then, you know, Marquise Brown. So I think Marquise Brown is going to be a true deep threat like Deshaun Jackson has been for a long time. And, And I think he could flourish in that role, but it's not a role that is going to be significantly, uh, you know, drafted in, in PPR leagues. And people are taking him like he's going to be the number one there, and I I just don't feel like that's the case. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, not necessarily like he won't be the number one, 
because he will be probably their X receiver, so to speak. But I just every team's offense is different. Some teams focus on the X receiver. Some teams focus on their slot guy getting the you know for forever. You know Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. They these guys were were Tom Brady's favorite receivers. They weren't the X guy X receiver. Their offense was you know their offense was predicated on getting the ball to the slot guy. Um, you know, you have teams that predicate their offense on getting the ball to the tight ends, you know, so every, every team's offense is just because you're the X wide receiver doesn't mean you're the go to wide receiver, which a lot of people, I think, you know, with the Mike Williams situation that we've been hearing, like he's going to be the X receiver in this offense and blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, there ain't no way he's going to be like the main focus when you have Keenan Allen on the team, mm-hmm. just not happening. Yep. You know what I mean? So um, everybody's every offense is different when they, you know, so he might line up as the X, but I just think Bateman's route running Mark Andrews, um, you know, ability to, to get open. Like for some reason, Mark Andrews finds space in the in defenses. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's been able to be so successful, despite Lamar being not the most accurate guys, because. You don't necessarily have to be be too accurate throwing to Mark Andrews because he's wide open all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, you know, I, I just don't see Hollywood uh, drawing in enough of the of a target share. I don't think he's going to, you know, I, he's more for me like I, I, I'll tell you this. I would draft Hollywood in a best ball league. You know, he's the type of guy you go in a best ball league because he has the ability to go for. 150 and two touchdowns mm-hmm. any given week because of his ability to get deep. But if you want consistency, this is not the guy you're looking for. No. Yeah, I agree. I, and that's the thing, you know, when you're drafting him and, and what did you say? He was going around eight, 10, 10, you know I mean? And that's kind of the range of the guys that I'm looking for. Like, you know, Deshaun Jackson for so many years was going in like the ninth or 10th round. That's kind of, yep. You know, that's kind of that guy. You know, I think the he could boomer be boomer bust guy. Exactly. You throw in your lineup for a bye week and hope yep. he get hope he gets that big game. Yep. You know what I mean? But a good matchup, me, you throw him in there. If you're if you're you know, if your number three wide receiver has a really tough matchup and you got Brown going up against, mm-hmm. you know, the Raiders or something like that, I mean you want to throw him in there, but you know, not a guy you're gonna start every single week. No, my like I said, my thing is I just in that area I just like so many other receivers that I would take before Brown. So I mean, it would come up to whether Brown was my highest receiver at that point, and if I wanted to take a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But if Brown was my highest wide receiver at that point, there's probably a running back that's available that I have higher than him. So that's probably just where it's going to come down to with Marquise Brown for me. Yep, I agree. Um. So Rashad Bateman is a pick in the 14th round with pick five, 60th wide receiver, 106, 182nd player. Um, this is basically, you know, one of those home run shots. You know what I mean? Like you're going to try and get this guy. You're going to hope that, you know, we, like Steve has talked about, we we got to hold this guy for four or five weeks, try to let him get familiar with the offense, make sure he's, you know, as a rookie, he's he's learning things and he's on the field. You want to get like you don't want to do the Justin Jefferson where everybody was letting him go after week two or three last year, and then he blows up and becomes, you know, the number six wide receiver overall. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to give him time to to gel. But getting him in the fourteenth round, I think, is a nice shot to take because, like I said, his his route running is so so crisp. He's going to be open a lot. And it's going to give Lamar a, a very nice target to, um, you know, kind of over the middle of the field a lot probably. And, 
you know, he might have quick outs that he's running, but his 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 route tree is going to be predicated on Lamar getting the rid of the ball quickly. Yep, I agree. And I mean, I took him in our mock draft, I you know, in the 14th round because I you know, in those rounds when I'm taking those rookie wide receivers in round 12, 13, 14, you know, looking for the guys that are available, you know, your Terrace Marshalls, your Rashad Batemans, you know, these are guys that I've watched in college and I like what I see and I say, you know what? If this, you know, if that translates into the NFL at all, he could be a really, really good guy. You know what I mean? Like this could be a guy that a lot of people are sleeping on and he could be awesome. You know what I mean? And I I know a lot of people don't watch Minnesota college football, but but if you watch this guy, you know what I mean? Like he was, he was nice. Very, very nice. So, you know, a guy that I, I, when I see him on tape, I go, damn, that's, that's ridiculous ridiculous like he just left that dude he, not with his speed and that's the thing he didn't dust people with his speed he dusted people with his yeah. route pure route running and it was just and like that, ooh, ooh, that's and that's the thing that's why that's the that's the comparison with keenan allen because keenan allen's not the fastest guy in the world yep. he just he puts that move on you to where you're like oh you're you're in quicksand and by the time like he is fast enough to wait by the time you gather yourself, he's yeah. three steps ahead of you because yeah. he just shook you so bad. Yep. And, and that's the and thing with Rashad He's, thing. he is fast. Yeah. Like he, yeah. you see Bateman him getting over that. the field. He's out. He's gone. Like yeah. people aren't catching him. So I like Bateman uh, in the 14th yeah. round. I would, I would recommend, he's and I would shot. tell you to, to take that shock because I, I really like this kid. Yep. And at the same time, Sammy Watkins is being drafted in the 15th round. <sighs> and I would not even, I wouldn't do like at that point. Why bother? Because <laughs> I like he might be. You know, we we've seen Sammy Watkins go with Patrick Mahomes in like the tenth round, and it never works out. Just stay away from Sammy Watkins. And that's the thing. Like, when are you like? Okay, we saw it like two years ago. Sammy has that huge, two hundred yard, three hundred touchdown game. I had, him. I had him on my team. I yeah. did not start him, yeah. and then started him every game for like six <laughs> weeks after that. And you're like. All right, bro. Like, no Tyreek Hill. Yep. What are you doing? Yep. <laughs> like, what's going on? And that's the thing. Like, when are you ever, even if he has that huge bang out game in the week one, like, when are you ever going to feel comfortable starting Sammy Watkins? I don't understand the Sammy Watkins pick. I see him go in so many, at the end of so many mock drafts, or, the, you know, even last year, he was going in a bunch of drafts. And I was like, dude, did you not see enough? Did you not see enough of this dude the year before where he had one big game and all the rest of his games were complete say. shit? If you can't be successful as a receiver with Patrick Mahomes, Word up. you just don't need to be drafted, period. No. And in fantasy football, you just don't need to be drafted. If That's you can't it. be relevant with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, as a guy, as a veteran like that, like, Miko Hartman will give a shot to. It's, it's in his third year. Yep. Sammy Watkins is a veteran. And yep. it, it's the same thing with Le'Veon Bell. Like, you're in that offense and you can't be successful, like – Come on now. Yep. Maybe Andy Reid ain't the problem, bro. Maybe it's you. <laughs> it's definitely, it's <laughs> yeah, definitely you know Sammy. I mean? I'm a Bills fan. It's definitely Sammy. No doubt. No doubt. And moving on to the tight end position, Mark Andrews. I don't think we got to talk about Mark Andrews very much. You know what I mean? He's pretty much etched as the fourth or fifth tight end, depending on how you feel about Kyle Pitts. I have him fourth. Um, he's being drafted in the fifth round, 55th overall as the fifth tight end. You know, for me, I would probably I would be definitely take him ahead of Pitts because I don't know. Like, I know a lot of people think that Pitts, 
is going to be used a little bit differently than most rookie tight ends in the past. Yep. That being said, he's still a rookie tight end, which does bother me a little bit. And if I was drafting a tight end in that spot, I would most definitely be aiming for Andrews over Pitts. And I would probably go fourth round with Andrews personally, just to make sure I, I grabbed him uh, as you know one of those top four tight ends. Yep, I agree. That, that you know he's my number four as well. Uh, and you know, uh, to me. I sold you guys yesterday when we were doing the mock draft. I'm going to get one of those four because after those four, you know, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, all, all those guys to me are all question marks. They're not guys that I am super like, oh, they're going to be great all year long because I just, you know, I feel very confident Mark Andrews will be very good and, you know, Kittle and Waller and Kelsey, you know, those four guys I feel very confident in. And after those four, you know, it's a, you know, it's a shit show of, God, please get me a touchdown or God, please get me a hundred targets so that you can be a top five guy, you know, and that's, that's kind of the way I feel about the rest of the guys. Yeah. If you're, if you're taking a tight end after that, like you're basically looking for, yeah, you know, you're looking for somebody that, so Hawkinson, I think wound up being like the number three tight end last year overall in fantasy. And I just don't ever remember him being that consistent. Like, I think maybe he had a couple big games, that, but I don't remember TJ Hawkinson being like consistent enough to be like, this is the number three tight end. Um, you know, Pitts, we talked about. I mean, a lot of people think Pitts could be, you know, a big thing. Um, for me, it just worries me because rookie tight ends don't really do it. And I know, like, like I said, he may line up in the slots at times and be a little bit more of a receiver than most tight ends, but. You know, Noah, Noah Fant's another one. Like, I like Noah Fant. If you're aiming for guys after, like, the the Andrews, after Andrews, like, you're aiming for guys like Noah Fant, uh, Dallas Goddard. Those are guys I kind of like. They're a little bit later in, like, the eighth or ninth, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round. And, you know, Noah Fant was very good last year when he, when he was healthy. Dallas Goddard, if he lo- once he loses Zach Ertz, is probably going to, probably going to, catapult him into like the sixth round probably Mm -hmm. but you know uh those are the guys i like aiming for um after andrews but i for me like if i don't get one of those top four guys i'm really just loading up at other positions and probably drafting jared cook as my last pick before defense (laughs) yep i agree Right. So you want to get okay? No, yeah, no, no. I was going to say you want to get into the offensive line and defense. Yes, sir. All right. So this offensive line, I'll I'll do defense. Defense first. Uh, This defense is good. Like, there's no other way to say it. This is a very good defense. Um, You know, they're based. They're a four-three defense. We all know that. You know, with Wolf and Williams and Campbell in the middle, like that. That is just really, really good. You know, we know Calais Campbell. He might be getting old, but guess what? The dude's not slowing down. He's still a fucking animal. Like, there's no other way to say it. We know Wolf, you know, last year coming from the Broncos, we were kind of like, oh, we'll see what, you know, he's a run stopper. But last year he got a couple of sacks. He looked really good in the line. You know, and we all know that Williams, you know, Brandon Williams is just a huge dude. And he's 6'1", like, I think he's like 350. He's like some retardedly huge number. Uh, Just a really big clogger in the middle which opens up for, you know, Patrick McQueen and, you know, Barnell McPhee. And, you know, they just – this defense is really good. You got Patrick Peterson – I mean, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson. Marcus Peters on the right side. And we got, you mm-hmm. know, Mar- Marlon Humphreys on the left. It's just – this defense is stupid good with Elliott and Chark in the backfield. Like, the, this 
whole defense is just very, very good. Very fast linebackers. Everybody can get to the ball quickly. So this is definitely going to be a top, you know, four defense for me. I mean, definitely a defense I'm trying to get in the early rounds of, you know, getting defenses. If you, you know, I would take them. If you play in a kicker defensive league, I would pick this defense before I pick my kicker. I would just take whatever kicker so I can get one of these top four defenses, and the Baltimore Ravens are one of them. All right, and the offensive line. And the offensive line, man. This offensive line is actually really good, too. You know, we know uh, Ronnie Stanley's coming back. You know, he was injured last year. He comes back. He's awesome. You know what I mean? We know how good mm-hmm. he is. Uh, they brought in Villanueva from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alejandro Villanueva. He's a very good tackle. Um, so he's going to be there. And they bring in Kevin Zeitler, you know, who yeah, is – Yeah, that's a really good, you know, uh, guard, you know, coming from the – he was with the Cleveland Browns and he goes over the Giants and now, you know, he's with Baltimore. So it's a really – uh, really good guard that they have. Bradley Bozeman is, you know, he's an okay center. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's not bad. And probably the weakest link on this team is uh, Bennett Powers. Um, you know, he's going to be a third-year guard. But, you know, he wasn't completely terrible, um, you know, last year, but he wasn't great either. In 20, you know, his best season was his rookie year in 2019. He had a really, really good season. Um, but, you know, hopefully he gets back to that. And if he does, this is going to be – one of the best offensive lines in football. So, you know, I probably, they're probably like five or six for me on, on the offensive line. All right. So now we will move on to the Cincinnati Bengals um, quarterback, Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow is being drafted in the ninth round with the first pick. He is the 99th player off the board and the 12th quarterback. So we've talked about Burrow a little bit on this on this podcast. Um, I know you love some Burrow. You are a big fan Burrow. of you. You are a big fan of Joe Burrow. He gets his college wide receiver, his favorite college wide receiver this year, uh, to match up with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, I honestly think this could be one of the better wide receiving groups in the NFL. He gets a healthy Joe Mixon back. A lot of weapons on this team. Mm-hmm. Is Joe Burrow a top twelve quarterback? He's being drafted that way. Is he? Is does he finish as a top twelve quarterback? Yeah, I'm gonna. This I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think Joe Burrow has the possibility of being a top eight quarterback this year. Here you go, Joe Burrow this year or Justin Herbert this year. <sighs> That's really tough for me because I have I have Herbert at seven, so I would go with Herbert because I like the offensive line situation with Herbert a little bit better now, you know, with definitely improved. Yeah. With Slater going there and, you know, the, the improvement of the offensive line with the chargers to me is what's going to make me go Herbert. But had that not happened and he had the same offensive line as last year, I might be going Burrow. Uh, But with that said, you know, I just like, I just really like everything that they did for this kid. You know what I mean? I criticize them heavily for taking Chase, but I see why they did it. You know what I mean? Like, they needed another, you know... If A.J. Green was the A.J. Green of old last year, this team could have been really, really dynamic as a playmaking unit because A.J. Green got some targets, man, and he just dropped a shit ton of them or he just was not getting open. It didn't look like... He didn't look like he cared last year. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Mixon's not out there. It's hard for me to say it would have been explosive without Mixon and with an older A.J. Green who just didn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, this year getting Mixon Mixon back healthy, who we've heard, you know, they're planning on using Joe Mixon more heavily than they probably ever have, which is great. And then you get Jamar Chase, who, you know, he's an all-world receiver. Um, I think Joe Burrow is on the border, and it's hard. Like he's right there. Um, right now, he's ahead of Tannehill. I would not draft him ahead of Tannehill mm-hmm. personally. I, you know, to me, Tannehill's a. I think Tannehill's a top eight guy. Yep. Um, before that, like you're basically talking about, I think Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, uh, all in that range. Mm-hmm. I'd probably rather have Burrow. I'd rather have Burrow than Hertz personally. I know I know Hertz's rushing is going to you know, sway people in that direction, but I just rather have Hertz's weapons and consistency. I think you know, as a passer, he's going to offer more. Mm-hmm. And I know last year he got hurt and Hertz didn't, but I just think that the rushing ability of Hertz could also lead to an injury, more of an injury thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. For me, I think Burrow's probably right at 12, maybe 11, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of the way I feel about it, right? I don't feel like their defense got really any better. Like, they, no. they're they not a terrible defense, but they're not good either. They're probably, mm-hmm. like, in the 20s, I would say, like 20 to 24. So they're not good. They're not terrible, but they're not good. So Joe Burrow in 10 games last year, and you remember he got hurt. I want to say it was the second quarter, maybe the first quarter of that game um, against Washington. I can't remember Mm -hmm. if it was – I want to say it was the first or second quarter. It was early in the game, if I recall correctly. Um, He threw 404 passes in those 10 games. That's basically 40 passes a game, right? I don't know if he stays that high, but I don't see that number going down a whole lot. I think maybe 37, right? I think maybe a couple passes off that. Uh, I with this, with these weapons, you know, and a healthy Joe Mixon, I don't see him throwing for 13 touchdowns and and five interceptions. I see him getting into the 25 touchdown range if he stays mm-hmm. healthy for 17 games. I could see him in that 25, 30 touchdown range. And with those weapons, I also see him getting closer to 70% completion percentage more than I see 65. He had a 65% completion percentage last year. I could see him in the 68 range. If he gets with up to Jamar Chase and instead of AJ Green and ex- expecting Chase to be better, I could definitely see his, his percentage going up for yes. sure. So let's say he gets into that. Let's say, let's cut it in half and say he gets to the sixty-seven point five range, right? With they threw eight five hundred and eighty-one times last year as a team total. If he throw is the guy throwing all of those passes, I can't see how he doesn't end up in the top ten. I just don't see it because if if he does throw five hundred and let's say with an extra game, I'm gonna leave it the same. I'm gonna say five hundred and eighty times, right? He throws 580 mm-hmm. times on a 17-game schedule. If his percentage goes up by 2%, 2.5%, right, that means he's probably going to end somewhere in the 4,000-yard range. 
Uh, and I just said I thought he was going to be a 25 to 30 touchdown guy. Um, he already has not, you know, he's not a big interception guy. We already seen that. So let's say he gets to 10 interceptions. If that happens in, in the scoring from last season, he would have been quarterback like nine, I believe. So I don't know. I, I think, I think he could definitely play better than what he did last year with the weapons that they have. Uh, they upgraded the offensive line. We'll get to that. Um, you know, this defense is still a defense that's going to give up some points. And I just think Joe Burrow has a lot of upside and really no downside from where you're drafting him because his draft position is pretty it's pretty safe to me. I mean, he's basically going right around 11th, 12th quarterback taken. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, you know, I feel really comfortable getting Joe Burrow there. Yep. All right. So moving on to Joe Mixon. Uh, Mixon right now is the seventh pick in the second round 19th player off the board and the 14th running back um i think of like i think joe mixon we like if you listen to other podcasts uh, at times they will talk to about range of outcomes joe mixon to me has such a wide range of outcomes because we've seen him be so bad even when healthy at times yeah. You know what I mean? Whether the offensive line just isn't blocking, like he has no space. Like, was it two years last? I think it was last year in the beginning of the year. Like, the dude had like he had like twelve carries for twenty yards against I think Baltimore. Like, yeah. you know Pittsburgh, he's 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 getting shut down, and then he has Jacksonville, and he goes crazy on Jacksonville. So like, yeah. uh, he's but then like. Mixon could also like you if he touches the ball close to 300 times like people think he may this year he anybody touching the ball any running back touching the ball 300 times is going to finish easily as an rb1 mm-hmm. so to me like his range of outcomes is so wide i lean more on the fact that he's going to be probably around the 10th to not the 8th to 10 running back that's where i feel like he'll he'll wind up landing mm-hmm. uh when it's all said and done but and and that's why I said like I, I believe I talked about this uh, with Green Bay like I usually wind up if I'm drafting if I'm doing a mock draft and I'm at the back end of a draft I wind up usually with Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon and I'm very I feel very good about that mm-hmm. um, you know so that's kind of my feelings like I think he's going to outperform his draft spot but there's definitely a, there's definitely evidence that proves that he could fall way below his draft spot as well. Yeah, and I think he gets – I think Joe Mixon gets a little bit shit on, which, you know. So, just looking back at his numbers, right, because – He plays know. for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, come on, man. Exactly. So, just look at his numbers from 2018, right? In 2017, uh, it was his rookie season. He basically, you know, split carries with Giovanni Bernard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it was the 178 to 106. So, you know, he basically he, – he started – if you guys remember, he started getting a lot more carries towards the end of the season. Beginning of the season, it was basically even split. Yeah. And then by, like, week seven, he basically became the guy who started getting more of the work. So I'm not going to use that season. Uh, we'll go to 2018, right? You look at his numbers for 2018 – he had 237 carries, 100 or 1,168 yards, eight touchdowns. He caught 43 passes of 55 targets, and he had 296 yards and a touchdown. So that was, I believe, he was running back 11 that year. Um, then you go to 2019, 
and basically his numbers look very similar except his touchdowns went down. He had 278 carries in that season, which is, you know, damn close to 300. He had 1,137 yards, five touchdowns. Then he had 35 receptions, 289 or 87 yards. He had three receiving touchdowns that year. So he basically had two less touchdowns than he had the year prior uh, with basically almost, almost identical uh, rushing numbers uh, at the end of the season. And he basically had almost identical receiving numbers, but 10 less catches uh, receiving yards totals. And then in 2020, last year, we all remember, you know, he basically yeah. had one huge game against the Jaguars. He started yeah. off really slow the first two weeks, and then he played that week three game against the Jags and just ate their asses. So, um, if – and he was on pace last year, if you looked at it, he had 119 attempts in six games. Like, 119 mm-hmm. attempts in six games, he would have blown his number out for total touches. Uh, he probably would have been well over 300, you know what I mean, in that game. Because in week six, he got hurt. I want to say it was like third quarter. You know what I mean, he got hurt. So if he gets to that 300 mark, which I just don't see how he doesn't, you know what I mean? I'm not worried about Samaj P. Ryan. I'm not worried about um, Chris Evans or Trevion Williams. I'm just, these guys are not, they're not guys that I'm worried about. So to me, if Joe Mixon stays healthy, he's going to be a 300 touchback on an offense that I think is starting to ascend uh, with, you know, if Jonah Williams starts playing better at left tackle, you know, he started showing that last year. I just feel like Joe Mixon is easily going to be a top 12 guy. And people are just, you have two camps. You have the, I love Joe Mixon camp and you have the fuck Joe Mixon camp. And And a lot of that is based off. A lot of that is based off of last year. Yeah. My thing with Joe Mixon. um, So 2018, he was the 10th running back. The 2019, he was 2018, 10, 2019. He was 13. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, his touchdowns, his catches were a little bit less. You got to factor in that. Giovanni Bernard is now not there. His receiving work is probably going. I know the receiving core is better. So there's definitely a chance that his, that that kind of takes away from his targets. But I do think without Giovanni Bernard, I mean, we saw how Giovanni Bernard would come in on third downs and take all his work. That's not going to happen this year with Joe, Joe Mixon. He's going to get a lot more receiving work. He may catch 50 balls this year. Yep. And if he catches 50 balls and has 278 carries or 280 carries like he like he did two years ago, this dude's going to finish in the top 10 easily. Yeah. You know, especially with the offense being much better, because when an offense is much better, that leads to more points. And who's going to be scoring points on the goal line? That's probably going to be the running back. So, you know, I I. I just think Joe Mixon has a great opportunity this year to bounce back from last year. A lot of people are shitting on him because he was, you know, he crushed fantasy teams last year because you never even, and that's the thing was like, you never knew if he was coming back or not. Like it was one of those injuries. That's, I think that's one of the things that people hate too. Like yeah. I can deal with an ACL. Saquon tears his ACL like shit, like yep. damn. Yeah. But at least I know like he's not coming back. I got to figure something out. I'm probably done. My my fantasy money is probably blown for the year. But, hey, I can go out and try to make a trade and, and you know, maybe grab the the, the hottest uh, uh, player off the waiver wire and try to compete. Yep. With Joe Mixon, you couldn't do that because it was like he's coming back. Oh, no, he's not. 
he's coming back. Oh, no, he's not. Oh, he may be back this week. Nah, didn't come back this week. And by the next, by it was like six weeks went by, and you're holding this dude on your roster, and then he winds up never playing for the rest of the year mm-hmm. because the team, you know, Joe Burrow gets hurt and the team's out for out of contention, and it's like, you know, now we're not going to bring Joe Mixon back. So you basically wound up getting screwed because you're holding this guy thinking he was going to come back, and he just never did. And I think that's why a lot of people are shitting on him because if you owned him last year, it was a pain in the ass thinking that. He was going to come back at some point, and he just never did. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's that's the big issue with with um, with Mixon and why people might hate him this year. Um, moving on to the wide receivers. Now, this is going to be the, the probably the most fun discussion of the night. I feel like. Yeah. Which wide receiver do you want at their value? So right now you got Chase is the third pick in the sixth round, 65th overall, 25th wide receiver. You have Higgins as the 11th pick in the sixth round, 72nd uh, player and the 28th wide receiver. And you have Boyd as the ninth pick in the eighth round, 97th wide receiver, or 97th player, 37th wide receiver. Which one do you want at their value? I want Higgins, if I'm being honest. Just, okay, so... I love Chase, and I think Chase could be very good in the NFL, but I think from what I saw from Higgins last year with Joe Burrow, they definitely were getting rapport. They definitely He definitely looked for him in the red zone because he's just humongous. He's 6'5". So, I mean, you know that's a nice big target in the red zone area, a guy that, you know, can go up and get the ball. You know what I mean? And you love that. You know what I mean? 6'4", 215, right? Big body guy. I think he's going to score the most touchdowns on the team, you know, in the, of the receivers. Uh, and I also like that he's going, you know, a little bit later than Chase because I've seen Chase even go into the fifth round. Guys taking him in the fifth mm-hmm. round. And to me, that's just a little bit too rich for me. Um, and I know they have a rapport already. I know Chase is amazing, but Chase hasn't played football in basically, you know, a full season. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I would like, you know, I would like Chase to just jump on the scene and just be amazing. You know what I mean? Be Justin Jefferson from last year. And I think that would be awesome. But if I'm looking at it realistically, I already know what T Higgins can do. You know, T Higgins was just a couple yards short from a thousand yard season. He was a couple touchdowns away from a 10 touchdown season. If he puts those two things together and he's a thousand yards and 10 plus touchdowns this year, you're going to be real happy. You took this dude right before the seventh round. And I think he has that capability. So uh, Higgins is probably going to be the guy that I, that I aim for. And I'm excited to get. See at their values, I'm still going to go Boyd. Like, honestly, like, so if you look at last year, Higgins finished 28th, Boyd finished 29th. Higgins played one more game than Boyd. Mm-hmm. Outscored him by 23 fantasy points total. Yep. Uh, you know, for me, like, I just think Boyd is – getting Boyd in the eighth round is almost like a lock. Like, I know people start to look for upside eventually, but to me in the eighth round – if you get a guy who's consistently a top 30 receiver, which he's been the last three years, he's been a top 30 receiver easily. And before last year, he was, um, you know, top 24 the, la- the, the, the two years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I just I love that consistency. I do think Higgins has a chance to take a step forward this year in his second year, and he was great last year. But 
two round difference. Like if I'm going to pick out of these players, I'd probably say just give me the consistency with Boyd because I don't know how much Chase is going to take away from Higgins. I don't know how much Higgins will like. I Chase is definitely not going to be the guy because he's going before both of them. And last year, AJ Green got 104 targets. If you gave Chase all those targets, great. You know what I mean? But there's definitely a chance that 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 target share winds up going down a little bit with him being a rookie and not, you know, you, you remember A.J. Green was getting 13 target games last year. I don't know if Jamar Chase is going to be getting 13 targets in, in games like that unless they are throwing a ton, which they may be. But for me, like, I just love the ultra consistency that Boyd brings and two rounds later in value – I just I can't pass that up. Maybe I'm a little bit more conservative than Steve with this answer, but last year these guys basically were were neck and neck with each other in scoring, and right now they're being drafted two rounds apart with Higgins and Boyd. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with in the beginning of the season. You remember T T Higgins really wasn't getting targeted until like I want to say it was like that Eagles game. So maybe that was what week? What, what week did I play the Eagles? The uh, six week. Up. Uh, three. three actually. Yeah, so three. So in three. Yeah, he got no targets in the first game, but he yeah. got six in the second game. So yeah. he started getting targeted in week two. Okay, so week two he starts getting targets. Um, Let's see here. He's got. He was getting a ton of targets. And even the last week, it's funny because the last week against Baltimore is 17. Yeah, see? He only got one target. And I think Tyler Boyd only had three targets. And he had one catch for, for three yards or something like that. Like. I don't know what happened in that game, and they lost thirty-eight to three. So they were they. I don't know if they just didn't play because like they were getting smashed. Yeah, they probably but, didn't. Like uh, that that last week is definitely a throwout week. Yeah. So I think if T Higgins, you know, plays that first game, obviously plays that last game, he probably has maybe fifteen more targets than Tyler Boyd. Um, uh, and the AJ Green targets, like you said. You know, if they are that evenly split by the end of the season, I would be surprised. I think if anybody takes a little bit of a hit, it's going to be uh, Chase because mm-hmm. I don't think Chase gets all of AJ Green's targets. I think a little bit of those goes to Higgins and a little bit of those goes to Tyler Boyd. So I could see Boyd being, like you're saying, the guy who gets right around 110, 120 targets and nobody's talking about because, you know what I mean, he's the forgotten guy on this Bengals team. But for upside for me, you know, I just think – I think T. Higgins could be a 15 yards per catch guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially with Chase on the other side. He's not going to see double coverage. He's going to be, you know, kind of getting single covered. Um, so I could see him getting into that, you know, 15 yards per catch range. And if he does and he catches right around the same amount of number of targets, you know, he'll be around 75 catches on the season. And, you know, I think he's going to be well over 1,000 yards with that. And like I said, I think he could possibly be a, you know – eight to 10 touchdown guy that you're getting in the end of round six. And I like, I like that. I like that, you know, that spread. The more we talk about this, the more I'm actually liking Joe Burrow. <laughs> I was like, I, like I, the more I'm liking Joe Burrow, uh, you know, uh, he might be on, on a couple of my fantasy, or at least one of my fantasy teams. He will probably be on because that's usually around where I draft a quarterback in like the ninth round, eighth, ninth round. And I'm almost certain he will be on one of them as, you know, one of those possible breakout quarterbacks for this year that winds up, you know, 
you're getting late because that's always listen the guy who draft like if you look at the last four years mm-hmm. last year it was Aaron Rodgers yep. Rodgers was drafted in like the ninth tenth round last year I think he finished as the second overall quarterback you said yep. when we did the podcast year before that it was Lamar Jackson Steve was calling him the cheat code before that mm-hmm. he was drafted in like the tenth eleventh round and wound up being the number one quarterback. The year before that, it was Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Patrick Mahomes was the he was it was his first year starting. Nobody knew what he was going to be. He was getting drafted like double digit rounds. He blows everybody out of the water. Yep. And to be honest, the year before that, it was Carson Wentz because <laughs> nobody thought Carson Wentz was going to be an MVP. Yep. He winds up and if he doesn't tear his ACL in, in week thirteen, he probably wins everybody their championship. I feel like that is the key to winning fantasy football is. Aside from drafting, you know, you're you're getting a little lucky with with health with your, you know, players that you're drafting early. Yep. Finding that quarterback in the in those later rounds that is going to break out. Yeah. And Burrow might be that guy this year. Yep, I agree. I definitely look for those quarterbacks, which is why I don't take a quarterback early because I know. You know, in my drafts, I'll wait late and take two guys, a guy that I think could be super solid. Like, for example, in our, you know, and me and Kev have been in a league that's been standing. It's I think it's like year seven now. Um, And in that league, you know, I always take two quarterbacks late. Right. One year, I think I took uh, Deshaun Watson like early and then Lamar Jackson was there late and I just took him and he ended up being the number one quarterback. And yeah, yeah. so but. I do it all the time. Like last year I took Tom Brady, I believe in round eight or something around nine. And then I took Josh Allen in round 11 because he was another one yeah. going late as hell. Yeah. Exactly. And wound up finishes is like the number three quarterback. Like, yep. Cause that's the way I draft. I wait till late and I get a guy that I think could be super solid. And then I get a guy with upside. I do it every year. Yep. I, I that's because that's the way I like to draft. And some years I hit and some years I don't, but <laughs> I hit more often than I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because even because with the quarterbacks, you got to think like, uh, sure, like you're basically looking for the guy that's going to finish top five out of those quarterbacks, possibly. But if you draft a guy in the ninth round at quarterback, more than likely he's going to finish within four fantasy points per game. Yep. As the number three quarterback, you know, two like unless somebody like. You know, like Lamar blows everybody out of the water two years ago. Mahomes blows everybody out of the water three years ago. But mm-hmm. more often than not, like those numbers, like the 12 quarterback and the four quarterback are literally going to be like three points per game of difference, yeah. if not less than that. Yep. And that's why tight end is so important, as we talk about, because if you get a top tight end, you're basically talking about six, seven, eight fantasy points a game difference than the 12th tight end, yep. as opposed to. You know, these quarterbacks where everybody wants to draft Mahomes in like the second or third round because they know he's going to be the number one quarterback. Yeah, guess what? He might be. But he might average 27 points per game. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow might finish 12th and average 23 points a game. And it's like you're spending four extra, or six extra rounds for four extra points. That is not good value, especially when you got to load up the rest of your team with depth at that positional players. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly it. All right. And so tight end. So two tight ends have been basically mentioned. So mm-hmm. um, you have Drew Sample, who, you know, came in last year when CJ Ozama got hurt. Yep. 
Drew Sample was okay. Uh, I think he had one good game against Cleveland, and outside of that, really didn't didn't do much. You know, very inconsistent. Yep. CJ Ozama apparently has been talked up by like the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati right now is being like a guy they want to get involved in the offense, and he could get, you know, he could get. I think they said, you know close to 50 to 70 targets. I think he was saying like 70 targets or something. Like he, he had a number that he actually said they wanted to get him the ball. Um, neither one of these guys are being drafted. Uh, I probably wouldn't take a shot on either one. Yep. But I think Uzama is somebody to pay attention to, possibly as like a goal line red zone, red zone option because he is a huge body. So oh, yeah. if you're looking for like a you know late round if you're not even late round, if you're looking on the waiver wire and you know you need a tight end, CJ Uzama might be a guy at the, you know as week three, week four comes, he might have a touch, two or three touchdowns, and you might be able to say like, all right, he's not going to be like the greatest start, but if he gets a touchdown, you know he's giving me seven fantasy points, and I'm um, I'm cool with that because I waited so long on tight end. I agree. I mean, like, either one of these guys is going to be somebody you draft, but definitely Uzama is a guy that I'm interested in. You know, your deepest of leagues and a guy that you might want to keep an eye on if you have a shitty tight end situation. For sure. Uh, Defense and O-line. Both suck. No. (laughs) (laughs) Both suck. No. For real. Uh, (laughs) Next question. No, I'm kidding. Uh, All right. So we'll talk about the defense first like we always do. Um, Really? I think they tried to get better, which is always a plus, right? They, you know, Jordan Evans this year is coming in. He's has been just okay. He's not been good. He's not been bad. I think he sat out last year for COVID. Um, their defensive line, I actually like. Uh, you know, you got Hendrickson, Ogunjobi, Reader, and Hubert down there. You know, I mean, they're all guys that are basically in the top. I want to say like 40 in PFF rankings. So their defensive line is pretty good. Trey Wayne sat out last season for Minnesota, you know, due to COVID, blah, 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 blah. He comes to the, onto this team. He, you know, they're hoping that he can play, you know, at a clip of what he did in Minnesota. If you remember his last year with Minnesota, you know, not last year, the year before, he wasn't very good. He was getting burnt a lot. But, you know, the, he's still a young guy that they think that could be something. Uh, they have one of the best corners, I mean, the best safeties in all of football in, in uh, Jesse Bates. Uh, you know, I think he is definitely their best mm-hmm. defensive player, and he's going to play that way this year. But this is not a defense you're drafting in fantasy football. But they could be uh, a little bit surprising considering what they were last year. Last year they were basically <laughs> a dumpster fire for the first 10 weeks, and then all of a sudden the last six weeks they started actually learning how to play football. So it wouldn't surprise me if this defense, you know, actually started gelling together and became a middle-of-the-pack defense, but not somebody you're drafting for, you know, for fantasy. And the offensive line, uh, really, they picked up Riley Reef, which I think is a huge pickup because their right tackle position was a problem. So picking up Riley Reef is a, is a huge add for them. I already told you guys Jonah Williams is, you know, one of the ascending tackles in all of football could be very good. So I think they're solidified at the two tackle spots. It's the interior of this line that I'm worried about. You know, they drafted Jackson Carmen. So in the second round, hoping that, you know, his six foot five, 340 pound ass can, can move the pile a little bit. 
um, get some holes for Joe Mixon because they had been struggling on that right guard position. And then, you know, Trey Hopkins, another guy that I think played well last year. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. But, uh, you know, their left guard position is not very good. The right guard position is a question mark. So it's really just the interior line that I have a question mark about on this team. But if these two tackles can play well together, maybe the inside of the line starts to play a little bit better and Joe Mixon gets some more holes and, and it all works out in the end. So not a great offensive line, not a completely shit offensive line. I would say probably like somewhere in the 20s. So basically what we're saying is the offensive line and the defense both suck. Both suck. <laughs> both suck. All right, guys, so that wraps up tonight's podcast. We will be back on Friday night with the other two teams in this division, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So until then, guys, peace out. Peace.